0: So basically, if you received an offer for, let's say, 20% of something and you just got it on, an, on a message, and then we compared with winning 20% in if you completed the game, the same offer converted so, like 10 times higher when people have a- actually earned it and played for it and like had that playful experience together with it.
1: Welcome to the podcast B2B SaaS CEOs with me, Joseph Falsen, as your host. I'm the CEO and founder of VAM that helps sales teams close more deals and book more meetings. The idea to this podcast was born because one of my personal goals is to be a world-class B2B SaaS CEO, and therefore I need to learn from the best. And I want to take you with me on this journey.
0: Hi, my name is Philip Trager, the CEO and co-founder of Flurry, and you're listening to B2B SaaS CEOs.
1: Hi and welcome. Hi. Philip. Thank you. Nice to be here. Let's start with who is Philip. Please help me and the listeners get the context of how you look at yourself.
0: So yeah, in in short, I've been starting companies or different companies since 2010 all within tech and marketing. I've been running Flurry in like its current form since, or for the last seven years. And I've always been like my... I'm personally always been uh, focusing on the commercial side and on product. And I how I look at myself, I would say I'm an entrepreneur focusing on building globally scalable, scalable products.
1: And if we then talk about your company, uh, of course, we're going to talk a lot about you and your company. <laughs> the, the, yeah. This whole video. but if we start with the pitch of your company, the elevator pitch, what does Flurry do?
0: Yeah, of course. And since the the focus of today is on sauce, I will completely focus on like our sauce part of our business. So our sauce p- platform called Flurry Studio, which is a business that has been around for the last the past two years. And what we do with Flare Studio is that we we help brands to be playful because when brands are playful, they generally generate positive emotions with people and stronger connections. And because of that also brings the company better business results. So with Flare Studio, uh, we enables brands to create branded game experiences uh, and any creator or designer to actually become a, a branded game designer. So in, sh- in short, we like to think about ourselves as a, a leading gas company, games as a service, where any brand's brand easily can create uh, branded games and distribute them on any platform or touch point, basically.
1: Thank you for sharing. And gas, <laughs> it's popping yeah. up all this.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, sauce, gas, moss, so many different things.
0: Yeah, we have a, a gas as a sauce company.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, okay, Philip. Uh, now it's time for something I call five quick ones. And here, yeah. you need to be quick. It's basically, I will throw up five words, not at the same time, obviously, but one at a time, and you need to be super quick and just say the first sentence slash word that you think of when you hear that word. Are you ready? Yes. Okay, there we go. Games. Fun, I would say. To get
0: attention. Entertainment. Yeah, I think that you need to entertain people to get attention. Branding.
1: Uh, That it's extremely valuable. Being a startup founder. Uh,
0: Dedication and hard work, uh, but also family slash
1: team. And the last one, the fall of 2023, meaning this fall.
0: I actually think of two things here, but it's um, probably the biggest one is to create a really good experience for our existing customers, because we brought in a lot of customers during the first six months.
1: Good. And going back again then to Flary and the big why. I always, I love to fish for the why, because yeah, it, you can read out so much from that. Why did you and your co-founders start, Flary?
0: Yeah, obviously it's a, a bunch of different reason, reasons, but in a, in a world where people like are really getting annoyed and interrupted by, by ads and communication in general, we want to help brands to create better relationships with both new and existing customers and give brands more reasons for people to hang out with them and communicate with them so really create stronger relationships between customers
1: and 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 brands and how did you come up with the idea then
0: and so we the three founders all have backgrounds in sales and marketing more or less and we had been working a couple of years with another product where we built uh, a members clubs app so basically you could uh, collect different brands and get offers and news and uh, all types of different communications. And uh, we saw that uh, all content that we did that was more gamified. It could be quiz- quizzes, games, competitions and stuff like that got so much more engagement and also better effects. So, so basically if you received an offer for let's say 20% of something and you just got it on, an, on a message. And then we compared with winning 20% in, if you completed a game, the same offer converted so like 10 times higher when people have actually earned it and played for it and like had that playful experience together with it. So then we like start to spin off that idea, like how could we make this into a, a scalable product more or less?
1: And this is super interesting when you said like 10 times more to 1,000% uh, more, if, if you combine the total of the like the people who saw the same message and also calculate the people who did the quick game or competition, what was the, because I don't guess it was 10x that did it, but what, what can you say if you just use gamification in this area, how, how much better is the outcome? If you put so, a look at so the it, big picture,
0: yeah. Uh, so in um, in we had a, a an app, obviously, as I I told you. Uh, so we it's uh, we had a very controlled environment to do these yeah. tests in. So in our environment, it actually was ten times more people from like seeing it to actually redeeming it or using the coupon. But obviously, we have been collecting data on this matter for the last seven years so what we see today is that in general it's a quite high boost so when we are doing uh, branded games on social media for example we see that brands tend to get higher reach less cpm price per click or per or cpc price cpm price and all of those things and on top of those like Social media metrics. They also get the time spent in the game, the engagement, and all of those things that we are also obviously providing with the content. But you also get a boost on the initial numbers. So it's it's usually a very good uh, result for the for the client.
1: Yeah, ten x you don't laugh away, and yeah. uh, that is even though, like you said, it was a controlled environment. Ten x from yeah, they saw to take. Impressive. And we can also quickly mention here, talking about your product and what you are doing, that the most people that found out about this episode has most likely seen the game you have created for me and the podcast. So right now we're doing a competition where you can win several nice prizes, basically just trying out this new game that you have created for me.
0: Yeah, Exactly. So it's really exciting. So from, from our side, we have added a prize where you can win a, a three-month trial on, on Flurry Studio. And I believe you Josef, also have some prizes from your end.
1: Yeah, from my end. If you are located in Stockholm or can come to Stockholm, will come to Stockholm, you and me will have a, a lunch. I will buy you a lunch, a really nice lunch, and we will talk everything about business development sauce. And you will also win a license, a full-year license valued of... Uh, almost uh, 1k euro of our new product vam second product vam outreach so it's it's good things to win here in this game so try this game out but okay we move on it's time for our first external question because in my podcast and in my community i don't just want it to be me shooting questions i lift in every week from cool people a question to the guest today, we have two questions, and the first one is from Ella Kolding Flintberg at Theodora Tech, and this is her question:
0: Hi, Philip, I believe that which role models you got says a lot about who you aim to be as a leader or person. I'm intrigued to know what role models do you've got. Why and how do they or this person impact your life, and what makes them worthy of being inspired by? Thank you so much for all the great
1: work you do, and I'm looking forward to hearing your answer.
0: I wouldn't say that I have a, a very clear like role model in general when it comes to being a leader. I really get inspired by like a lot of different people for, for different reasons, and I mean from all the big names like Steve Jobs and how he helped Apple to create amazing products, or Musk and how he's building all these amazing companies. But when it comes to being a leader, I would say that I... More so, get inspired by by friends and people around me, like people in in my team, um, because I think I, I get more from those that I really know in like what's important in life. How do you build these great relationships and and stuff like that? So I, I think uh, to create create this strong relationship in the team, I really get inspired by the people very close to me.
1: And. Mm. What makes them worthy then t- to be of being inspired by?
0: I, I mean, uh, obviously it's because I I see that some people are maybe very good at uh, getting people motivated or getting people uh, to feel comfortable and trusted. And uh, I mean, to get people to actually create good results in a professional life, they need to be confident in in the role. Uh, if you're scared scared to fail or stuff like that it's very hard to to perform and take take action on stuff so i think it's it's super important to i mean i, I think it's important to have uh, role models but i also think that it's you shouldn't try to copy how other people is doing stuff it like in too big sense i think it's very important to to try to be you and find your way of doing stuff and obviously that is also depending on what other people you have in in your team and uh, um, how the how you are syncing together in the team. So yeah,
1: good. Ella, thank you for your question. And it's time for us, Philip, to move on to talk about go to market, one of my favorite topics. And now I want to know how you did it with your main strategy and the most important stuff in the different layers or what you say, in the different parts of your journey from start, middle and where you are now. So let's start, Philip with the go-to-market from the beginning. What was the main things that mattered the most when you started from zero to reaching 100k euros in ARR? Um,
0: So... Basically, sin- since we had a, a diff- like another business already going when we started the sauce part of our business.
1: Yeah, but st- start start with, start with the whole start with the whole business now, so so we don't okay. like leapfrog easier. Start with the whole business when you started from nothing, to...
0: Yeah, oh, the the most important part in the beginning when we started off, we had like obviously some good ideas or and learnings from the members club's app that we had uh, been working with so we had uh, some knowledge about or some goals that we wanted to create a platform where we could en- entertain and uh, engage our users without the need of having a lot of different brands and uh, clients connected so we in the beginning we actually got to reach 10,000 users just within like a, a few uh, months uh, and uh, then, sort of like the first real milestone uh, was to get the first client, which was uh, PressReader. That helped us also grow to 200,000 users just within a, a few months after that.
1: Um, okay, so from zero to then, I. I don't know, and maybe you won't tell me how much Presbyterian paid, but the most important stuff was to get the ball rolling and the first customer who was happy. That, that is how every company should start, according to you.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's its very much about finding a really good use case and trying to scale that, yes.
1: Okay. And when, once you have found a really good use case that you at least have one super wild customer, how did you... What mattered the most in the next step then? If you talk going from 100k euros to 1 million euro in ARR, what key, what key go-to-market things mattered the most?
0: Uh, I think uh, since we were, like, we're, it's still new for, for many clients to, to work with branded games in their commun- communication. Going back, like, seven years to when we released the platform, it's, It was a very new thing, and the complete marketing landscape was very different. So, for us, we had to do like we need to convince the market that branded games was a good way of doing communication. So, I think going from just convincing one client or two or three clients to convincing a bigger volume of clients, the biggest part or the most important part was to educate the market. And get media agencies and other like more structured workflows to to start thinking more about brand games.
1: Okay, so so if you're gonna bullet it down uh, this segment bro- broader broader market, y- you needed to start uh, yeah yeah basically going more marketing led than and sell the space.
0: Yes like more a little bit more thought leader and and yeah create or change maybe people's perspective on how like how you measure marketing because you've always been or like at that point you all more or less only measured like CPM and and impressions, etc. You didn't measure attention or time spent with people and stuff like that, which was the KPIs that we were really good at delivering. and obviously it's a completely different market today which i'm happy about uh, so yeah
1: and if we then talk you said it today if we talk about your key things within the go-to-market strategy from yeah on your on your path now to reach 10 million euros in ARR from where you are now you are obviously the listener can figure out you are s- somewhere there in the middle where, where yeah. wh- What? what is the what is the essential step in the machinery now
0: yeah so basically I would say that this is something that it's like more or less very close to me like I, I as I say I really see myself as for I'm very passionate about creating scalable business models and I think the big step now from going from where we are like close to, to one million mark in a- ARR to the 10 million mark is that we need to solve all the the manual stuff that we are doing today. Like when you have a not that great or big volume of clients, it's easy to support that with manual work and uh, maybe not the scalable model in all part of the business. But when you are really scaling up that to higher volume... All of those things need to be fixed, and, and that I'm really excited about, like getting all of those stuff in in order.
1: Okay, so so what you say right now, basically, what you what you're working with and what you have ahead of you is taking well or t- taking away all these unnecessary manual bottlenecks.
0: Yeah, and also like streamlining what like use cases we maybe focus on when you have a small number of clients you can with manual processes handle a, a, like more different let's say use cases because you have the manpower to support that but when you try to scale and do that efficiently you need to have more more processes and automated uh, support for the clients and then you need to slim down a bit on maybe what you are selling and how you are selling it etc and of obviously onboarding clients
1: etc et as well and if, we talk about, if you talk about some of your clients so the listeners can understand the like, coolness of some of them you're working with, Wh- which, are, which are some of your use cases and clients that you can mention?
0: Yeah, so basically we work with mostly, I would say, larger companies. So we work with companies like Klarna, Spotify, Unilever, Orkla, yeah, a lot of like, big marketing companies. Mm-hmm.
1: Good or like that and have uh, big marketing budgets. <laughs> yeah, Philip, you have really cool customers, some of the biggest ones in their market, and it's impressive now. Yeah, to hear how you have done with the main go-to-market strategy to reach that. And talking about outreach, then <laughs> I would say this is my right now my main fa- my favorite topic right now. Talking any sort of business out there outreach so of course when you are here i need to ask you philip about what's your preferred way of being contacted in a modern buyer's journey for b2b basically if there are sales people listening to this how would you like to get approached by sales people and founders
0: uh, yeah for me it's definitely email i mean i in a busy day, I can read my emails when I have have the chance and I can like sit down quietly and see or if it fits our strategy or yeah, if it's something that we need at the moment. But with that said, it's obviously very important to that the content of the email is both maybe playful as we work with, but also okay. obviously interesting and intriguing to to read. Uh, and I mean, I don't get many emails today containing branded games and maybe if I did, I would uh, respond more frequently to them but uh, I, I would still say that email is uh, maybe the preferred uh, way
1: okay so email and then in a I guess they don't have so much of your time we're talking maybe seconds but they need to in some way stand out by being playful and show an interesting angle of their pitch
0: yeah and I I mean I'm I'm a very logical person, so it's it's sort of like it's they need to be playful and obviously easy to understand to get to understand the scope. But then obviously it also needs to fit the strategy. Like if it's not fit the strategy, I I can't prioritize to to spend time on it. Uh, So
1: yeah. 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 Basically meaning the right timing. Right, yes, yes, right. Timing, and would you prefer if I have done that? If I somehow show that I'm playful, I emailed you, and the timing actually could be right for this scope, etc. Would you prefer to also have a quick video demo so you can see something than just boring text
0: if it's relevant? yeah, it could definitely be, be helpful, at least an easy way of understanding a little bit more without maybe reaching out for a meeting.
1: Before uh, you always learn. And yeah, since this is a bit of the topic Vam is in, it's super interesting for us to get data points <laughs> straight yeah. from my podcast from, from uh, CEOs and founders. Uh, but now it's time for the, to move on, Philip, and it's time for a topic of your choice. And this is uh, a, a, a segment where I basically will just sip it. The floor is yours, and you have to talk about whatever you want. You just need to be nerdy about it and feel passion for it.
0: Yeah. So I, I obviously got this question before in before to this call, and it's. I think it's a. It was a hard question to choose a, a subject because I think today maybe the the thing I'm most nerdy about, except for for Flairy in general, is my one and a half year old daughter. Uh, so that is like my nerdy go to place at the moment. Um, and on a like in more private nerdiness, I would say I'm really passionate about movies. So that's like where I tend to to go to. But from a more professional perspective my nerdiness i would say maybe not a clear topic but i'm i'm really excited and uh, passionate about scalable business or scalable product models and it doesn't really have to be about flarry, but i i really tend to get inspired by building up like in in steps how a product or a service can grow like connect and develop over time and potentially become a, a global success so i I tend to like deep dive in those kind of ideas and and spend a lot of time in like obviously my own brain to to understand how it could work, but of obviously getting inspiration and, and information from other sources as well. But I would say that that is maybe where I get very nerdy myself, and maybe not a, a easy topic to like deep dive into, into this conversation. But I would would say that that's uh, my go-to
1: place uh. and if it's that's your go-to place and uh, I, of course you and I want to deliver value to everyone tuning in and listening to this if we then should have this as your topic of choice and you should share like some best practices or bullets or just a framework where you put your state of mind what what would you say where should the listeners start to like really be able themselves to dive deep in the field of scalable business models where should one start
0: yeah i think uh, as we talked about in in the other question i think coming back to to the the clear value for for the the consumer or or client or user of the the service or product uh, like the the foundation of creating a scalable model obviously is that you are creating something that is valuable for For other people or or companies, and obviously that could be it could be a product, but it could also be like obviously the method of how you're doing it. I mean, there is a lot of great companies today that has changed like how we listen to music or how we do other stuff, and obviously that is a, a scalable model in itself. But I think it's it's really about finding that clear value that you think you can deliver, and then try to understand how that could like, how would you give that value to millions of people around the world? And is is it an idea that could scale like that? Or to 100,000 companies or whatever, like the scope is. Obviously, scalable doesn't need to be millions of people. It could be 100, the 100 largest companies in the world as well. But it's like, how do you support that? And how do you make that we, maybe without needing too many people or too many uh to find those kind of connections in your model that could could
1: scale do you want to add something more here or do you think this is a good like core foundation for one to start when they are in like thinking of this topic mode
0: uh, I, I mean like uh, in, in general like i i have a really like uh, big interest in just the models, so it doesn't really matter what idea it is. Like it could be branded games, it could be movies, it could be something else. Uh, I really get inspired by the building of the model. Um, but if you don't have that, kind, like the same passion for just building up the model and create that and like uh, obviously uh, make it make it real, I think obviously as like a normal saying that you you need to work with something that you are really interested interesting interested about like and passionate for so then obviously focus on on getting that into a scalable model
1: and would you recommend that everyone should first do some manual work for each step so they know that it's working
0: yes and i would say that is maybe the the where i go wrong sometimes since i have a really big interest of getting the scalable model ready it's so easy to maybe overdo something before you have tried it so that is something that i've experienced a lot of times so i think yes you should definitely like try out step by step but i think what's important like when you are trying to make it scalable doing that like the, the, the real hard work like doing it fo- fully so you don't like end up with halfly done scalable models
1: <laughs>
0: that, which, which is also like very easy to, to end up with because let's say you're working in tech as we are doing and you just let's say you do enough for where you are in a lot of different steps of the process but when you come let's say five steps further then you have a lot of Half done, maybe services or support for different part of the business, and you have 10, 10 or hundred new challenges to to put your effort on. And at the same time, you need to look back at at those kind of steps. Uh, and obviously, it's always a, a give and take scenario. You can't like build more, the most scalable servers before you have a lot of users, etc. as well. So yeah. it's it's give and take, but it's uh, it's very easy to to. To take a little bit, maybe too many shortcuts in, in, in setting that up.
1: And now we're entering the roundup. We only have a few questions left because time flies. And it's time for the second and last question now, an external question. And this is from Therese Tard at MyGizmo. And this is her question.
0: Hi, Philip. Therese here at Magismo. If you could redo your startup journey. What are the main two things you would do differently? I would say I would, I would try doing changes to the business and the product more rapidly, especially in the beginning. So we, we found a, a great business in Sweden, but somehow we also know, knew that that business was hard to scale and get that sort of like scalable model around the globe. But at the same time, we built a lot of structures and processes around that business which obviously was great in one sense because we could like get a, a profitable model in the foundation of the company, but it also made it harder to, and it took longer time to maybe move into something that could support the long-term goal. But I mean, it's always bad and and, and good stuff. So in the current market, it's obviously good to be a profitable company, but yeah. I would still say that it adds up a, a lot of time if you, if you don't do those like, Important changes uh, more rapidly in the beginning.
1: Okay. Uh,
0: and another thing is maybe also like it's a little bit on the same area, but from another perspective, it's to be more consistent and uh, focusing on like scaling one really strong use case, as mentioned before. Like, I like to, to really find that and focus on that um, instead of trying, as we maybe did in, in a lot of uh, times, like solve too many problems for our clients. So we released quite many secondary products during the years, like because we saw opportunities and we invested in those. And in the end, we, we stopped selling those maybe one year or two years later because we were putting back the focus on the on the core product. So I think those are uh, maybe the two things that I would, uh, yeah. Would have redone. Uh, or do change, yeah, redone, yeah. Read on, yeah.
1: Therese, thank you for a great question and Philip for strong and relevant input here. So we have arrived to the very last question. And now I want you to share one of your favorite life mottos right now.
0: So, uh, yeah, obviously, there is a lot of mottos, but one that I'm, or like one of my early inspirations back in, in 2010 said, if you have a problem, you are the problem which is something that I still like bring with me. It's, and what it means is obviously that it's, or not obviously maybe, but what it means is that it's so easy to blame others and maybe circumstances for your problems. Um, But if you have a problem, it's it's so much easier to change yourself or how you do stuff to, to make a change rather than trying to change everyone or everything around you to make that change happen. So it's, yeah. Coming down to like, if you have a problem, you need to do something about it yourself. Uh,
1: I love this one. And more people on internet and like flashback TikTok should should think about that (laughs) before (laughs) opening their mouth sometimes. And uh, with
0: this... It helps uh, getting people to get stuff done.
1: Yeah. Before we are ending, i just now shifting the focus towards the ones who have been listening. So you have been listening. Two quick ones. Number one, if you got any sort of value here from Philip, please tell a friend or a colleague to listen to this episode too. And the second thing, press the subscription button because we have great guests coming here every week. And Philip, a huge thank you for putting aside around 30 minutes together with me to help the community and me to keep on learning.
0: Thank you for having me.